0: From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, I'm Brian Walsh, and this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, June 11th. Today, our roundtable regulars, Imogen Rose-Smith and David Bank are back to reimagine capitalism, handicap the other race in New York City, discuss toxic masculinity in impact investing, and also discuss how the Gates Foundation's strategy for global access to COVID vaccines has worked or hasn't worked. Hi, Imogen. Hi, Brian. Hi, David. Hey, Brian and Imogen, good to see you both. Good to be with you. But first, here's what you need to know from this week in Impact Investing. The G7 is meeting this weekend in Cornwall, England, to hammer out a global vaccine plan, rally momentum for climate action, and talk tough on Russia. On the table, a 15% global corporate tax rate. Mostly, it seems that these global leaders are just relieved that they don't have to deal with, well, you know who. The G7 finance ministers earlier endorsed mandatory climate reporting in line with the TFCD, Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. Next up, biodiversity loss, ecosystem degradation, and the loss of natural capital. The Task Force on Nature-Related Financial Disclosures is aiming to create a similar framework to help organizations report and act on nature-related risks. There were some huge fundraisers this week. The Swedish battery manufacturer, Northvolt, raised $2.8 billion to expand its Gigafactory from 40 to 60 gigawatt hours of annual capacity. Northvolt says it has $27 billion in contracts with customers, including a $14 billion partnership with Volkswagen to supply lithium-ion batteries for its electric vehicles in Europe. Nubank, a Brazilian digital bank or Neobank, brought in $1.2 billion at a valuation of $30 billion. Nubank provides no-fee, low-interest digital credit cards that can be managed on a smartphone. The company says it has 40 million customers and is adding 45,000 customers each day. It's now expanding to Mexico and Colombia. At the other end of the fundraising spectrum, Yungo Capital in Uganda backed Qualito, an avocado and macadamia nut producer, and Cresta, which produces electrical poles from sustainably sourced eucalyptus. They also exited their loan to Western Uganda Cotton Company, which sources cotton from smallholder farmers. And also, Impact Alpha is reimagining capitalism. In partnership with Omidyar Network, we'll be digging into ideas, rules, and power relationships for the next version of the market-based economy. Check out David's podcast interview with Omidyar's Chris Jorgens wherever you listen. And now it's time for our roundtable. The crew has a lot to chew on this week. Uh, Let's start with that last headline. David, what's all this talk about reimagining capitalism?
1: Well, Brian, it's kind of been you know on everybody's lips uh, for for a while, and the pandemic obviously accelerated it all. What uh, we're doing with the Omidyar Network is queuing up, uh, as you said, the ideas, the rules, and then the power dynamics um, involved in um, sort of taking uh, you know market-based economics to the to the next stage. Um, what's interesting is you know there's obviously a critique. Uh, from the outside, but there's starting to be, of course, a critique from the inside, from corporations, from finance, um, and, and others that you know, many of the mechanisms that have gotten us here are not going to take us to the future. And you know, readers, readers of Impact Alpha, listeners to this podcast, know what we're talking about. Um, but what's interesting is that there's lots of policy ferment um, on the table around disclosure. You mentioned that in the headlines um, around materiality of environmental, social, and governance uh, factors, obviously, and all kinds of things around compensation. What's interesting about what Omidyar is doing is they're very keen on you know even things that aren't as popular among finance and, and, and investors, sometimes worker power, um, you know, disadvantaged communities, the marginalized communities, how do you change the actual power dynamics so that this market-based economy can actually work for all?
0: So Imogen, are you on board with reimagining capitalism?
2: I am very much on board with reimagining capitalism, although I retain skepticism about how effective that will be if we don't truly change the, and not well, if we don't truly really change the power dynamics that have gotten us to the situation that we we are currently in. And I'm also not sure that it's entirely about reimagining capitalism so much as potentially going back to things such as, I don't know, organised labour that kept some elements of the power dynamics that we have in our current capitalist system in check so that there was greater wealth distribution.
0: In your recent column in Impact Alpha, you picked up on some of these issues around power dynamics and some of the blowhards in impact investing.
2: I, I did. <laughs> um, so my most recent column was about you know, toxic masculinity in impact investing and how we've sort of seen this almost like pull toward of suddenly assets going to funds predominantly run or overseen by powerful white men, not really a surprise given that, you know, that the, the prominence private equity in impact and and some of the sort of characters at the very top of the heap, you know, the sort of Leon Blacks and Bill McLaughlin's of this world, have exhibited, you know, questionable behaviour, to say, say the least. But really, you know, I mean, it wasn't... The issue is not about, you know, white men being terrible. The issue is power, right? And it's about... If we don't change the power dynamics that underlie finance, then we're just repeating and upholding the systems that are in place that are creating exactly the types of inequalities that impact investing was meant to be addressing. And what you've seen as impact investing has become more successful and more mainstream, it's consciously or not, it's been co-opted by the types of power dynamics and power structures that it seeks to undermine and i think that dynamic is kind of dangerous
0: it, it, is this picking up on the audrey lord sentiment around the the master's tools will never dismantle the master's
2: house yeah when you're threatening the very system when you when and it, it's sort of a inherent contradiction within impact and within impact investing right because impact investing believes that the tools of capitalism can be used to achieve better social goals and you know that makes sense but the problem is is the tools of capitalism are predominantly in the hands of the people who have benefited from the current system which more often than not is white men
0: how does that line up with this theme of reimagining capitalism
1: well, I think you know the power dynamics are are central, as as Imogen says. Um, and you know, one of the things that comes up, as you, as you say, is you know when you just call it capitalism, whether it's reimagined or not, you've kind of put your finger on the scale that capital is the center of the equation, as opposed to, um, for example, you know labor, as as we've been talking about. So there is going to be a contest for power in this. I think what 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 does come through is that market based solutions don't necessarily have to uh, reinforce the existing power relations that that's maybe what we're trying to tease out here. how and as Imogen said, maybe it's maybe it's a fool's errand, but how can these tools that do you know produce lots of innovation and and progress um how how can they be really harnessed uh, for different ends so that we optimize a system for equity for justice for for regeneration, sustainability and and all the rest um, you know we'' we'll, we'll see.
0: So it's not dismantling the master's house, but maybe building a different house altogether. There you go. So Imogen, I, I understand that you also have a, another column lined up uh, talking about the, the hot election in New York City. And no, not the upcoming mayoral race, but the comptroller race, which is essentially the chief financial officer for the city. Why are you focused on this race?
2: Well, so, so, so no one in the broader world cares about the comptroller's race, right? Like most people... Likely don't know who the controller is and don't know what they do. Um, but
0: you just hurt the feelings.
1: <laughs> well, as the Californian, as the resident Californian here and, and non-New Yorker, I'm I'm always amused that uh, n- n- New Yorkers think the entire world it should be fixated on their local election. But uh, that's a, I guess the world we live in. You,
0: you mean the uh, the city that is the largest city in the United States and also the still probably the the, the central uh, global financial capital
1: you've just proven my point point, Brian. <laughs> um,
2: and also to my point has the fifth largest pension system in the us so what makes the controller race important to you know those amongst us who are pension nerds is the impact on the new york city pension system so scott string has been the controller for eight years because again nobody cares about the controller so if you become the controller you're likely going to win the election again and new term out after two years. Um,
0: after two terms. Sorry,
2: after two terms, exactly. Um, so, Spring is not running running again, he's actually running for mayor, and there's going to be a new controller. And that means that you are like, likely to see changes at the pension fund. And, what you've been seeing, and this is true, not obviously just of New York, but also Democrat states and municipalities is ESG is becoming increasingly central to these conversations. So particularly with regards to climate change, um, and also, you know, diversity and inclusion. Um, but what happens is, you know, when people run for office, they make all these grand promises of what they're going to do and then they get in office and nothing really happens. Until and this is what happened in New York City, you know, seven years later, when suddenly Scott Stringer wants to run for mayor and Mayor De Blasio wants to take on the governor, then they put in place a string of changes to actually start investing capital in green strategies. And so, my point in part is that you know we, not just in New York but across you know the country, need to ask more of our elected officials. We need to make it not about politics, but more about policy and really ensuring that pension plans are implementing ESG strategies, not because they're good politics, but because they're good investments and and they need to happen.
1: It is interesting that this is one of the rare cases where there's sort of a voter participation in actual, you know, at least in the people who will be making actual investment Decisions. Do you think, Imogen, that ESG and impact actually are sort of winning, you know, political planks in a, in an election?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So the um, the candidate who's in the lead, Cory Johnson, he has sort of run on a pretty traditional ticket that just says we should pay less mu- less in fees to Wall Street, which is pretty popular. But the two candidates who are coming second, and by the way, the polling is terrible because. A, no one's really focused on the election because of COVID, and B, no one knows what the controller is, so no one really knows who's running. But the two candidates are coming second, and the most interesting is Brad Lander, and he's sort of the progressive candidate, and he made climate change a central plank of his plan for the pension. Uh, so, and as I say, they actually at the beginning of the year, the New York officials came out and said that divested about four billion dollars in fossil fuel assets because they see it as being. Almost at this point, essential to to their ticket, to their platform, which was not the case eight years ago. But what I'm, what, where I think the huge danger is, is that they just don't do anything for another eight years because it's so, it's such an important political issue, but it's not truly considered a financial issue.
0: So tying that back to reimagine capitalism, there's an opportunity now with this New York City election for the comptroller is to. Uh, put in place uh, people who will be the asset owners for large pools of capital that will be allocating that capital across the global economy that will have real-world impacts on the lives of workers, on communities around the world, and on the climate. And so it's very important for Individual citizens to be aware that their vote for comptroller of this kind of office that many people haven't heard of actually has an impact on how we think about capitalism moving forward. Is that fair?
2: Yes, um, but what I'm saying is voters keep asking the wrong questions. That it's not just about reimagining capitalism or asking politicians for pledges to achieve political goals. It's about trying to reimagine fiduciary duty to include you know what you know to to think about the concept of let sort of a duty of care to mean caring about these broader issues um and not just how much money can I make in the short term
0: and so that's about accountability and Really, accountability is emerging as a kind of theme for 2021. And David, you took on the Gates Foundation strategy for global access to COVID vaccines. What's that about?
1: Well, yeah, Brian, among the many, many disappointments of the last year is the failure of this grand plan to get vaccines to low income countries on anything like a equitable Basis, we had been very keen on the Gates Foundation strategies to do that. They're, they as you know, one of the bigger backers of global health. Certainly, one of the bigger non-governmental backers, and they had funded most or all of the biotech companies that jumped in and pursued a, a a vaccine. And as you know, the you know that was you know record time to reach you know so many effective vaccines, only to find that that the plan to distribute those vaccines in in particularly in low-income countries had you know basically hit a hit a brick wall and and the strategy that they laid out you know just you know pl- plain and simple and i don't think there's much debate about it d- did not work the G7 as you mentioned is is meeting to to try to pull together a a backup plan and so we started to look at well why this strategy that had held so much promise you know didn't actually play out and what we came to is that these global access agreements that they put in place when they do these biotech investments turned out in effect to not have the kind of teeth that you know, I think they thought uh, had and that, that that were, you know, was, were touted to have to enable um, low-income countries, you know, through this buyer's club mechanism called COVAX to enable low-income countries to, to to compete with rich countries and be able to secure access. Those biotech companies that were supposed to provide that global access under these investment agreements just didn't. They went with the highest bidders, and, and here we are.
0: Uh, capitalism reimagined.
1: Well, that's just part of the thing. The rules not only have to be, you know, sort of the right rules, they have to be enforced and, as you say, accountable, and um, there needs to be power to to, to make it stick.
0: All right. Well, there's much more to discuss on this, but that probably seems like a good place to to leave it here. That's going to do it for your Impact Briefing this week. Thank you, Imogen.
2: Thank you.
1: And thank you, David. Thanks to both of you, as always. You
0: can read more on all of these stories at impactalpha.com. Impact Alpha's podcasts are available wherever you listen. Impact Alpha subscribers make our journalism possible. Join them and receive the daily brief and full access to Impact Alpha content. Podcast listeners get $100 off their first subscription. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use the code briefing100 for your $100 off. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to Imogen Rose Smith, David Bank, and our fearless producer, Isaac Silk. I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the fintech company, LiquidNet. Until next time, take good care.